Hey guys, what's up? It's Chelsea, back with another episode of The Sassnack Files. And today I'm going to be talking 115 Wentworth Prison, which is a massive episode. There's so much to talk about. A big character episode, a big plot episode. So I'm really excited to kind of get to the nitty gritty of it. Before I start my analysis, though, I want to remind you guys that you can find this podcast on all kinds of platforms, including iTunes, Spotify, CastBox, and Google Podcasts. Also, if you haven't had a chance yet, head on over to thesassnackfiles.com for all of the latest and greatest articles that I've been publishing about all kinds of different stuff. There's a mix of historical research articles, different entertainment pieces that you can watch while you're going through Droughtlander. Coming up soon, I'm going to start my post-season one posts. Probably wait until after I release my analysis on To Ransom a Man's Soul, which will hopefully be in the next week or so. If you guys haven't yet, make sure that you are following me on social media. You can find this podcast slash blog under The Sassanac Files on Facebook and Instagram. All right, so without further ado, uh, I'm going to go ahead and get into Wentworth Prison. If you missed last week's episode, I just want to take a moment to remind you that I'm starting a new format for the podcast. It's a little difficult to do a scene-by-scene breakdown on a podcast that I'm hosting by myself. So I've started picking topics of discussion, things that I really feel strongly about or that really stood out to me as something very interesting in the episode. So today's first talking point is going to be the very first scene of the episode Uh, where Macquarie and Jamie are waiting in line to be hung, essentially. This scene struck me for a lot of reasons, primarily because of the conversation that is going on between Taryn and Jamie. They're really trying to be brave, like Macquarie is all talking about how if there's one good thing about being hung, it's that you go out of this world having an erection (laughs) and potentially an orgasm. And Jamie's like, yeah, I heard all that happens is that you shit yourself. So, you know, Taryn's trying to look at the silver lining and Jamie's like, yeah, no, that's not true. So that was kind of interesting. That's like the surface dialogue of it. But what I found kind of impressive about it is Jamie is kind of bound and determined through this entire episode that he's not going down without a fight. And that is very Jamie-esque. He's not willing to just sit down and take it. He's never been that person. So even in this very first scene, he's like, hey, you know, I will wrap my chain around their neck and you take their musket. And uh, McCory's like, they'll shoot us down like dogs and... Jamie says, no, they'll shoot us like men. I guess it's just a time thing that hanging is seen as dishonorable, whereas being shot or stabbed or having your throat slit is better. (laughs) Whereas today, we look at the crime as the dishonorable thing, whereas it's how you were executed back then, I guess, that was the dishonorable thing. But that's a major theme in this episode is coming back to what is honorable. 
what is going to make you sacrifice that honor, I guess, um, because that's ultimately what happens is that Jamie is pushed one step too far and he has to sacrifice everything. This beginning scene sets up a lot of what we're dealing with in the rest of the episode because they're talking about how Macquarie is like, are you afraid of the noose? Like, what's what's this all about? Because Jamie's, you know, trying to convince him to go down fighting and Jamie's like, I know I'm not afraid of the noose. I I just know my wife will never forgive me for foolishly glowing and getting myself hung. Which, to a certain degree, I feel like is probably true, but I also feel like there's a level of fear there. I mean, Jamie's human, and everybody, like, nobody goes to their death without a touch of fear, you know? Even if it's a relatively instantaneous death, people have that moment of, like, oh shit. And you can see that, like, Jamie watches his friend get pushed off the gallows and then is next in line, and you can see him trying to steady himself on the gallows. After he's fought for all he's worth all the way up the stairs, he tried to get himself shot. (laughs) Um, Yeah, poor Jamie. You know, you can see him kind of resigning himself to it and taking a deep breath, and then when Randall comes in and is like, stop the executions! There's this moment of, like, eye-widening disbelief and almost relief right there in that moment. And then the wheels start to turn. He's like, well, crap, now what's going to happen? Because Randall's involved. Whereas this was relatively straightforward before. I might have a reprieve now, but something's going to happen. And is it going to be worse, you know? So I feel like that scene was was a good opening scene. It definitely sets up a lot of the topics that we see covered in the rest of the episode. The second thing that I really felt like was worth discussing for this episode was Claire as a character really earned my respect in this episode. And I know that sounds weird because she's our heroine and we're supposed to be rooting for her. But it took me a long time in the show. Like, in the books, Claire was a much more, like, heroine-esque figure where you could really get behind her and root for her because you're in her head. But in the show, Claire does a lot of stupid things. (laughs) And it's kind of hard to, for me as a person, to wrap my head around why she does the things that she does. And I think a lot of that is the changes that were made between book Claire and show Claire, and I didn't necessarily agree with all of those. They're just minute changes of motivation and attitude. Almost like show Claire isn't as methodical, and um, she doesn't think things through the way book Claire does. She's very impulsive in the show, so that's hard for me to root for as a show watcher. But this episode, even in The Search, When she's literally, all she's doing is searching for Jamie the entire episode. That episode, I I really didn't care for. And so this episode was the first time that I really found myself in Claire's corner. And it starts all with this, this first scene in Sir Fletcher's office. When she's under an assumed name and an assumed role at the prison. Trying to get any information on Jamie, finding out if he's alive, what the situation is, is there any way that she can get in contact with him? She's just trying so hard and then when he walks out of the room, 
she takes this moment where she's just hyperventilating and trying to get herself under control and not completely fall apart. And I felt like that was such an identifiable thing for her to show this emotion and not be this hard ass all the time, you know? And when she got the box of Jamie's effects, you see the snake Sonny that she gave him right before he left for the last time. You see his Je Suis Prey brooch in there. Just all kinds of little things. Little things that are identifiably Jamie and you can feel it going through her head. She's like, is this all I'm going to have left of him? Which is really heartbreaking that she's literally done everything she could possibly do for the past however many months. It's just awful. And when she loses it outside the prison and vomits and drops the box, I loved that Myrta was there. Because they created this bond in the search, and that bond is now carrying over. He recognizes how strong she is as a person and how much she loves Jamie, and she sees that in him as well. And I feel like that's one thing that they admire about each other and that kind of the ties that bind, essentially. I just really loved this whole section. And then she takes it a step further because she knows that he's been granted a temporary stay of execution. So the time is now. I mean, the girl breaks into a freaking prison to save the man that she loves. If that's not determination and courage at its core, I don't know what is. I mean, yeah, there's probably a certain level of stupidity to it. But <laughs> God, you just have to admire her for it at the same time. Yeah, she's she's amazing. And the love that her and Jamie have for each other really shows through in this episode in the amount of self-sacrifice going on, which can make a person go, oh, come on, guys. I know one thing that I hear more than anything <laughs> is, is this all Outlander is just him saving her and her saving him? The first season I do kind of feel is a little bit like that, but as you move on, it's more of them taking on the world together, which is also really great. But I digress. I feel like the big thing worth talking about in 115 is the Jamie Blackjack Randall dynamic. We've seen bits of it, but it's been really in flashbacks for the majority of the season. We saw their first interactions at Lollybrock in Castle Leuk. And we saw the interactions at Fort William in the Garrison Commander and Lollybrock. We saw flashbacks of them together. And really the only time presently that we've seen Blackjack and Jamie interacting is that blip of a moment in The Reckoning. The famous, I'll thank you to take your hands off my wife scene. So by the time we get to this point in the season, you really feel a, pardon the pun, a reckoning coming. They have so much history, it's impossible for that to not come to a head. And this episode was a perfect penultimate episode because it ratchets up the tension and makes you really feel like in the season finale, you're just going to jump off a cliff and free fall. Which the the majority of 116 is that. You just can't believe what's happening for the majority of the episode. It's really terrible. 
mentally, but great television. And it's it's one of a kind for sure. But the whole Jamie Blackjack Randall relationship really even evolves within the span of this episode. There's the oh shit moment when Jamie realizes that, yes, he's not going to be hung, but now he has to deal with Blackjack Randall at the very beginning in the first scene. And there's this lingering slow motion stare between the two as Jamie's marched past when he's taken down from the gallows. But their interaction really starts down in the dungeon. And we see almost this cordial beginnings of communication. They're really trying to feel each other out. And it's always interesting to see Blackjack because he's so hard to peg. He's always playing games. You never really see him with his guard down. I think there are like one or two small moments in the entire series that you really see him just him underneath all the masks. And those are very powerful moments, but none of those moments come in this episode. (laughs) So the first time that we see Blackjack, he's like, well, let me apologize for the prison commissary, you know, just the pleasantries of it all. And Jamie's kind of used to his games by now. He really doesn't even say anything for the majority of their first scene together. I think he says, I wondered when you'd show up. And then it says something about he was surprised he didn't come alone, which also kind of surprised me. But at the same time, Blackjack's not stupid. He wants to bring some muscle along. And for obvious reasons, whenever you see what happens through the rest of this episode, if Blackjack had been by himself, there's no freaking way he could have taken Jamie and Claire. And Blackjack's always prepared. He might not have known that Claire was going to show up, but he knows that Jamie's a very very slippery person he's (laughs) not an easy person to kill uh which is ironic because neither is blackjack so there's this real cat and mouse dynamic to jamie and blackjack through the entire episode and it really starts when blackjack makes the comment well you couldn't even stay out of prison long enough to see if your pardon was approved And brings out the petition of complaint that Ned put together. And we're like, oh, shit. And this is where the Duke of Sandringham really just lost any vestige of respect or hope that I had for him as a character. (laughs) Yeah. I was just like, you have got to be kidding me. So Blackjack kind of makes it feel like Sandringham was intimidated into handing over the petition of complaint. But I really honestly wonder because with some of the things that Sandringham does later in the series, I'm just like, I don't know how much of it was Blackjack being intimidating versus Sandringham having his own ideas of how this game needed to be played. So yeah, very questionable motives for sure on the part of Sandringham. Needless to say, though, that Jamie's hopes of a pardon are up in smoke. So there are several scenes between Jamie and Blackjack. I think the biggest one is the scene with Jamie's hand and all of the scenes that relate to it. Because, like I said, we really see in this episode that Jamie is not going down without a fight. Like, he absolutely refuses in every ounce of his being to give up. And if you guys will remember back to Lollybrock when Jamie was talking to Claire about how 
he refused to submit to Black Jack Randall's sexual advances because he knew what his father would think of him giving up and giving in to this man. And that really, for some reason, grabbed my attention. And I remembered that watching this episode. I don't necessarily think he was thinking about his father in this moment like he was at Fort William. I think he was thinking about Claire in this moment and what she would think of him for giving up and giving in. There's some really great parallels to this episode and what happened to Jamie at Fort William. It made me think this time, like, he might not have been thinking about his dad, but he was certainly thinking of someone and what they would think of him for giving up or giving in to Blackjack's demands. And I really think that it was probably clear in this particular situation that he had in mind. Because at Fort William, Jamie's father and sister were his entire world. And now his entire world is Claire. So it makes sense that she would be the driving force behind his motivations in a lot of ways. So Jamie fights and he fights and he fights some more, which includes trying to kill Blackjack. And his punishment for that is four brutal blows to the hand with a flat-headed mallet. It destroys his hand. Absolutely obliterates it. I mean, it is probably, it's probably one of the most disgusting thing. I, I have to look away every time I watch it because watching someone's hand be destroyed through torturous means like that, that's just so awful. And it was a change up from the books. This was the opposite hand of the one that was smashed in the books. I think more so for actor reasons than anything else. Jamie's right hand was smashed in the books and his left hand was smashed in the show. Jamie in the books is left-handed and Sam is right-handed so just a minor a very minor detail but yes if you were thinking well I was thinking that in the books it happened this way yes it was a uh, a slight switch even after Jamie's had his hand beaten to a bloody pulp literally he's still fighting he's fighting for consciousness he's fighting against Blackjack Randall and eventually he loses the battle with consciousness but when all of this is going on the really amazing thing to me is that Blackjack is such a narcissist. He's like finding a way to twist everything that happens around and blame it on Jamie. It's never Blackjack's fault. He's like, why do you force me to treat you in such an abominable way? Why do you choose to live the remaining few hours of your life as a miserable cripple? Like... Jamie fighting for his life and for his honor and for his own sanity is Jamie's fault. If he would just submit, Blackjack wouldn't have to treat him that way. And like Jamie's forcing him into a corner, like Jamie forced him to pick up the mallet and smash it into his hand four times. Blackjack has this way of twisting things around and making it the other person's fault, which is the true definition of a narcissist. And it just frustrates me because I know people in my life like that. And it is such a, it's such a thing to have someone consistently blame other people for their own shortcomings. Yeah, just the level of almost commitment you have to have to being a person that's that terrible. Jeez Louise. 
Something else before I move on that I wanted to talk about was the big scene with Blackjack and Jamie before the hand scene is where Blackjack makes Jamie an offer. Essentially the same offer or a similar offer to what he made him in Fort William. Give over to me and I will give you what you want. This is the offer. But the the details of the offer have changed a little bit because he can't free Jamie, but he can give him the death that he wants, which if you'll remember back to the first scene, Jamie is talking about how dishonorable being hung is. And Blackjack has the same opinion. So he tells Jamie if he gives over to him and gives him his unconditional surrender, he will give Jamie the death he deserves and it will be a death of Jamie's choosing, which gets Jamie's head going. And just like giving his body to Randall in Fort William, Jamie really thinks about this offer because it's tempting. It really is to go down swinging versus giving up, I guess, is how he views being hung versus having his throat slit. It's very confusing to me because in my head, dead is dead, but I feel like that's more of a 21st century perspective on things. So I'm trying to look at it from the perspective of an 18th century individual and grasp the context of that because I know that it's it's different. But yeah, that's another, again, another parallel to Jamie's time in Fort William is the negotiations that Randall is putting forth and Jamie considering the terms. But ultimately, Jamie, like in Fort William, decides that he won't surrender to anyone, especially not Blackjack. And Randall has this great line, and Tobias Menzies delivers it perfectly. He says, I must admit, I would have been crestfallen if you had. Which tells us a great deal about Blackjack as a character. He revels in Jamie's fire and stubbornness and drive. That's what he loves about Jamie. That's why Jamie's such a tempting prize to him. Because Jamie doesn't give up or give in. It's just not in his nature to be that way. And so Randall looks at Jamie like he's his Everest. You know, if I can defeat this man, I have won something, is how Randall views that. And I think he views Claire in a very similar light, which is why Randall's on like freaking cloud nine before the events of the series finale, because he's won everything he set out to win. He's beat Jamie. He's beat Claire. It's just like he's got everything that he wanted out of the situation, which is, I think, why this whole thing is so hard for us as an audience to swallow, because it's like the villain won. I feel like that's why it's unsettling for us to watch, but it's also what makes it such a great penultimate episode because you're like, okay, well, if the villain is winning what's next? Like, how are our heroes going to turn this situation around, you know? It's a very intriguing storyline. So when Claire shows up at Wentworth and she finally finds Jamie, he's passed out on the floor after his hand's been smashed to bits and she's horrified. I mean, she's so happy to find him alive 
And I feel like she's got that surge of adrenaline going through her where she's like, okay, he's alive. Now I just have to get him out. And poor Jamie, like he just can't even believe that she's there. He's like, Claire, is that you? Is it really you? And then he's like, oh crap. He's like, you have to leave. He's so happy that she's there, but he knows the danger surrounding this situation is very real. And it doesn't matter what happens to him. She has to get out. But she, on the other hand, is not willing to leave him. She's gone through very great lengths to find him alive. And now that she has, she's not leaving him. So it's just, it's really heartbreaking, that scene. It it really gets me. Because there's this desperation throughout this scene and the rest of the scenes where Claire, Jamie, and Blackjack are all together. There's this desperation to it where Jamie and Claire are both so desperate to save each other that they're not, they don't care about themselves anymore. It's hard to watch, honestly. Claire says this great line when Blackjack shows back up where she says, I should have slit your throat at Fort William. And he says, yes, you will come to regret that small act of mercy. There's zero feeling there for Blackjack. There's no sense of gratitude that she spared his life. He doesn't care that she was a decent person. And that's what I think Jamie and Claire are really realizing is that for certain people, being a good person does not matter. One iota, which is why later in the series, when they get their chance, they take it because Lord knows there may not be another chance. But I really felt like these scenes that Tobias, Katrina, and Sam were in together, they really just popped off the screen. They were amazing in the context. So you've got Blackjack, who's the ultimate villain, and you've got two heroes that are self-sacrificing, and they're all bouncing off of each other. And there's this great surge of fight from both Jamie and Claire. Jamie manages to kill Marley, Blackjack's henchman, and Claire almost succeeds in strangling Blackjack, and then he overpowers her. It was just like, damn it. If Marley hadn't been there, Jamie and Claire could have got away, you know? Which is just, oh, it's so frustrating as a viewer to watch it, because they were so close so many times. But eventually... Blackjack gets his hands around Claire's throat and is squeezing the life out of her and Jamie snaps. He screams. He's like, stop. I'll give you what you want. Just let her go. And Blackjack's like, make me a better offer is literally his words. And Jamie gives him what he wants. And it's like, you can have me. I feel like this scene is more powerful on a rewatch. Yes, it is 100% powerful in the moment. And you're just like, oh, shit. And you have the I have the exact same reaction that Claire has. Jamie, no. But after you see to ransom a man's soul, and you rewatch the scene, you realize exactly what Jamie is doing, what he's willingly giving to Blackjack Randall, he's giving everything to him, his body, his mind, And in Jamie's eyes, his soul. He's giving Randall everything to save Claire. He has nothing left to bargain with. He's all in. Everything's on the table. He's just hoping and praying it's going to be enough. 
it's awful. It's so awful. And Blackjack's like, well, will you offer me a test of your sincerity? And Jamie's like, yeah, whatever I have to do to get you to let my wife go, which is getting a nail through the hand. Oh, that makes me nauseous. (laughs) So I know I said I look away when I watch him get his hand smashed at the beginning of this episode, but it's about 50-50 on whether I have to look away on that. What I have to look away at every single time is him getting the nail through his hand, which is kind of cool how they did it because that hand with the nail through it is actually a puppet. And when they like wiggle the fingers, it's actually a puppet, which is really cool. I think that somebody's literally under the table controlling the wiggle of those hands. And it looks so real, doesn't it? It's kind of crazy. And Sam does such a good job acting like it's his hand. It's it's really weird, but so good. Like you don't even think twice about it as a viewer because you're just so in it and everything is so realistic that you're like, how could it not be his hand? But yeah, the nail through the palm of his obliterated hand is so intense and so hard to watch. And Claire is struggling for all she's worth. She knows what's about to happen and she's like, no, no, no. She's like, Jamie, you don't have to do this. And, you know, I, I've i never been in a position like this. And I hope to God that I'm never in a position, anything remotely like this, to where I have to sacrifice every portion of my being to save someone I love. I mean, I would in a heartbeat. And that's why this is so relatable for 99% of the audience is because you're like, yeah, you hope to hell that you're never in any position remotely like this, but you know you would do it. You know that you would sit there and hug your loved one to you and be like, yeah, if I have to have a nail driven through my hand to save my wife, I would. I would do it. Just, oh, God. It breaks my heart to watch it. It was hard to read, but it was so hard to watch. And I think that was 100% because of the actors and the job that they did. Katrina in particular in this scene was just, was so phenomenal. I felt her, the emotions of Claire so much in that moment that even remembering it brings tears to my eyes because, I mean, just think about it. Like, imagine watching the person that you love most in this entire world having something like that done to them to save you. Just put yourself in those shoes for a moment because it's, it's terrible. I just, oh my gosh. The empathy coming off of me right now is is super intense. <laughs> so I'm going to move on to the final topic that I want to discuss. It's a pair of scenes. So the first is the final scene between Blackjack and Claire where he's walking her down the corridor before he throws her down the body chute. And she's kind of past her limit at this point she's so mentally and emotionally distraught she just had to walk away from the man that she loves knowing full well that it would be generous to saying it's against the odds for her to ever see him again that's a generous assumption she pretty much has zero hope at this point and she's walking down the corridor with the man that's going to kill him and she does the last thing that she has in her body because Claire, like Jamie, is unwilling to give up. It is not in her to give up. 
and that that's when we see this where she he says well i heard something interesting about you being tried as a witch and she turns to him and you can just see it in her eyes the absolute unadulterated hate of the man in front of her you know i i don't like saying i hate anyone because i feel like it's an extremely strong emotion but i feel like Blackjack Randall has earned the hate of Claire and Jamie Fraser, okay? For sure, without a shadow of a doubt, you can see the hate in her eyes. And she hesitates to use her knowledge as a time traveler in any way because she knows how that knowledge can be misconstrued. But he's basically asking her if she's a witch and she knows She's about to scare the shit out of him and she doesn't care a lick about it. She's like, you know what? If I can put the fear of God into this guy, maybe that's some small piece of satisfaction. And so she gives him the date of his death. And for the TV show, we do not know what that date is, but book readers were given that date. And I know that they did it for dramatic reasons in the show but I feel like it would have been so good in the Hail Mary to maybe have a flashback to this scene between Claire and Blackjack but have us able to hear what she's whispering to him when they're referring to it um just for the added drama of it I don't know that's just something that I kind of longed for as a viewer that I didn't have She's she's doing the last thing that she can possibly think of. She any small semblance of revenge that she can have, she's going to take it. And she does. And I thought that was a very powerful scene and it's shot beautifully with the firelight of his torch and the jet black of the corridor that they're in and just being able to see their faces and the firelight reflecting in their eyes just gorgeous all the way through. I think that's probably my favorite shot of the episode. So the very last thing that I wanted to talk about in the context of this analysis was the final scene between Blackjack and Jamie, which kind of brings us full circle on the topic of their relationship dynamic, because they were really playing cat and mouse for the majority of this episode it was a battle of wits and them internally processing things and playing with the other person and off of the other person this scene when blackjack comes back from getting rid of claire jamie voluntarily touches blackjack and i felt like that touch was so powerful he reaches across and touches jack's hand and says she's away safe and blackjack touches his hand back and says yes and swears to it even so it's so odd because these characters have been at war the entire season and they're still at war but there's a sense of trust between them almost like they're both gentlemen and they're both men of their word, even though they're on complete opposite sides of everything. It's villain versus hero, but there's a understanding between them 
they've made a deal and they're both sticking to their side of that deal and they trust each other. And it's so odd, especially given the level of evil that we see in the next episode to understand this bizarre relationship that they have. It's it's mind-boggling. But the moment in this scene that really eats me alive is when Blackjack cuts Jamie's shirt off. The look of horror and terror on Jamie's face. Sam Hewen did an amazing job. Actors are amazing anyway, but what makes an amazing actor stand out from an okay actor is the ability to inhabit that character and the character's emotions within their own mental space. There's no separation between who they are in that moment versus who they are when the director yells cut. And you can see that in the way that Sam Hewen plays Jamie in this moment because his pupils are dilated, guys. Sam Hewen is so embodied into that moment with Tobias Menzies playing Blackjack Randall that his pupils are dilated. That's something that only a person in that moment and legitimately that terrified would have happen. It's it's insane. And it really, it gets to you. And that single tear that rolls down his face, like he did this for Claire. He didn't do this for himself, but he's a man of his word and he's not going to fight no matter what is done to him. It blows my mind. It really does. And the level of sick, sadistic grossness that Tobias channels. I mean, the guy licked another guy's back and is getting off on these horrible scars that he is inflicted on this other person. God, just amazing work by both of them. Bravo. Standing ovation for them, which is why the performance of the episode for me goes to the big three as we refer to them um, within the Outlander fandom. Tobias Menzies, Katrina Balfe, and Sam Hewen. Because when these three are together, I mean, they're phenomenal on their own, but they are absolute powerhouses when they are all on screen together. It's electric, and it's amazing, and the level of acting is just, it blows me away. I know that as I'm recording this, Outlander has not received any Emmy nominations Again, I know it didn't really surprise anybody, um, and there's a lot of reasons, a lot of theories out there, a lot of it being that Stars is such a small network and that they don't put a lot of money into their promotions and they're not in the right circles, and basically they don't play the game that all the big networks play, and I guess there's arguments to be made about that, but I challenge anybody who says that, especially Sam Hewen and Katrina Balfe, are not the same caliber of actors as any of the people that got nominated. Those are fighting words, (laughs) in my opinion. This episode and the next one are two of my favorite episodes of the entire series. Definitely in my top 10. So yeah, they floor me every time I watch it. It may be tough subject material, but watching them do what they do is enough cause to put yourself through that mentally, in my opinion. So there was one thing that I felt was super fitting was the quote of the episode 
which is a Black Jack Randall quote. I think this is probably the one and only time I will have a Black Jack Randall quote as my quote of the episode. But the moment when he said, you're no coward, I will grant you that. No, a fit match for your husband, and I cannot give you a better compliment than that. That says it all. Says everything that you need to know about this episode, because it's because of who Claire and Jamie are that they are so fascinating to Black Jack Randall. It's their strong will and determination and drive that makes them such a tempting prize for him. So I felt like that quote was everything that anyone needs to know. So yeah, guys, this episode was interesting for me to analyze. And I think that the next one will be as well because they're such emotional pieces. But they're really worth talking about, I feel. The actors and the crew did such an amazing job that you can't not talk about them. It's doing it a disservice, I feel like. So I am really looking forward to, but also slightly apprehensive about my analysis next time about the season one finale to Ransom a Man's Soul. I hope you will tune in to listen to my thoughts and feelings about that because it is sure to be an interesting discussion. I think that about wraps it up. So make sure if you have any questions about this episode or any previous episodes of the Sassnack Files, you shoot an email to the Files at gmail.com or reach out on social media. If you have any comments about To Ransom a Man's Soul that you think are super valid to everyone's interpretation of the episode, feel free to shoot me an email. I would love to air our listener mail on our next episode. Until next time, guys, stay safe out there, okay? I will chat at you later. Bye!